Who is Hagar? Who is Hagar? Is Hagar A, a comic strip character, B, a rocker who was the lead singer for Van Halen, C, an Egyptian slave, D, the mother of Ishmael, first son of Abraham, to whom Islam traces its beginnings? Multiple choice. It is C and D. Very good. Hagar was the slave of the biblical Sarah, who became the concubine of Abraham, and Islam traces its beginnings back to Hagar and her son Ishmael. We have to go back a bit. Perhaps you know the story. God said to Abraham, Go, go from family and home, and I will bless you. From your family line will come a great nation. Through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And you know, sometimes we take offense at this. Any Genesis class I've ever done, people said, Well, how come some people got picked? And what we have to remember is that God had to start someplace with somebody to talk about the one God. And the whole point was to pick people to be a blessing to the world, to show what it was like to follow the one true God, what it meant to be God's people. Of course, they had problems along the way. There were times of trust and, boy, just wild distrust and messing up and we can take comfort from that you know god promises them a son and through the years of wandering in the desert yes they end up with you know a good stock portfolio and they end up with you know a nice tent expansion home and all those sorts of things but the one thing they don't have is a son which they kind of need to have a great nation. And so what do we do when we get frustrated and disappointed? Well, we get stuck in the past. We mourn. We take things in our own hands and we make a plan. Whether it's a good one or not, we're going to do something, right? So Sarah has this idea. She says, I can't have any children, so I'll take my slave woman, Hagar, And I'll give her to my husband. And I will have a son through her. She uses Hagar as a surrogate. Now, I'd just like to say that Abraham doesn't say a word. Nothing's recorded in Scripture, what he says to this. And it's probably a wise man who keeps his mouth shut at such a moment. (laughs) And when you get to the paintings, I only showed the painting that was family-friendly. Most of the time, the paintings are of Sarah bringing a rather undressed Hagar to either a very surprised or a very expectant Abraham. Well, you know, Abraham does his duty. Things go along fine. Hagar conceives. Well, when she conceives, she begins to strut a little bit. Look at me. I've got one and you don't. Well, Sarah's infuriated. I don't know how multiple spouses work, but it doesn't work here. And so, filled with jealousy, Sarah 
goes to her husband and says, what are you going to do about this? He's like, hey, not my idea. He actually doesn't say that. It's in the fine print. And she's like, do you not see how contemptuously she treats me? And he says, hey, not my problem. She's your slave. Do with her as you want. And so Sarah becomes brutal with Hagar. And she runs away. She goes off and goes into the desert. And then God comes to her and says, you need to go back. You need to go back and to submit. And I will make of this boy a great nation, and you will name him Ishmael, which means God hears. You know, there's sometimes in our lives when there is no choice but to endure. There's just no choice. We're dealing with what we've got to deal with. It's not going to change. But what can change then is our insides when we know that God hears us when we know that we are not alone in the situation. A friend of mine recently died. I didn't know her well enough to know some of the particulars of her life. But when she was five, her mother died. At 12 years old, she developed diabetes. And there was year after year after year of disappointment. She and her husband couldn't have a child. They adopted a child. Of course, the diabetes begins to work on your organs. And through it all, she kept a prayer in front of her every day. She taped it on the windowsill above her sink. It says, loving God, you are our peace. Prepare our hearts for your coming. Forge the swords of bitterness into plows of blessings. Till the soil of our souls for your springing forth in us. Remove our heart's defensive armor. Clothe us in light alone. And pierce our wide open hearts with your love. With your spirit in us, may we be at peace, awake, and ready to welcome you. What people said about Sandy was that she was the voice of God to them. She spent her life listening to people, reassuring them that God heard. She had an amazing ability to accept other people. This did not change her many illnesses, but she embodied this prayer. Turn our bitterness into your peace. So Hagar goes back. Years pass, and then Abraham and Sarah have a son. And so then we go to the scripture here. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast On the day that Isaac was weaned, it would have been about three. They didn't have bottles back then. 
changes child-rearing altogether. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit along with my son Isaac. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son, but God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the boy, because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar. Putting it on her shoulder along with the child, she sent her away, and she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Hagar could be anyone today, anyone that is used and thrown away. Any of the throwaway people like veterans who are ill, who cannot get any kinds of medical care like the kids who are runaways who get tricked into modern-day slavery, prisoners of war, the children on our borders who are in refugee camps, who have come from Central America. Hagar can be the kid who's bullied and despised. Hagar could be any person that someone thinks is disposable, whether for their own purposes or the bottom line or for whatever reason. Hagar is the one who is cast aside when she becomes a threat, because she is different, because she is no longer needed. So then they are wandering in the wilderness. And when the water and the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the branches. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, do not let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And she cried out to the Lord. She cried out, and the boy cried out, and with all others cried out, Hear me, O Lord. Hear me, O Lord. Listen to me. Next slide. And we know that cry, don't we? The Psalms are full of this cry, Lord, listen to me, do not be far off. These prayers are lifted up in anger and love and impatience. Lord, why don't you get busy? Lord, would you hurry up? Lord, I've loved you a long time. Now, you know I've loved you. I've been good. Could you help me out here? The Psalms are full of these prayers. 
And then God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from the heavens and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid. For God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with you. With your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. She sees the water. She is able to survive. Now, when you think about the people in this story, nobody comes off looking very good. Hagar, yes, is the most sympathetic. But even she looked with contempt on Sarah. You've got Sarah, jealous and brutal. She's within her rights, of course. But even according to later Jewish law, her treatment is brutal. And then you've got Abraham, who cast away his own son, who will not stand up and keep him or his concubine. And we wonder that God would choose to work through such a contemptible lot. Or maybe we're thankful that God would. Maybe that's why these stories are in the Bible. To show us that even the chosen people mess up in such royally bad ways. And still God uses them, not because they are good, but because he's chosen them. And along the way, they learn to trust him more and more. And along the way, they learn to be the people that he wants them to be. But the real hero of the story is, of course, God. God, who seems to be half tipsy with compassion, the last of the big spenders throwing around promises here and $100 bills there and giving water in the desert and opening up a way. And, of course, the point is not about us. It's about God. God, whose compassion is huge. That's what people complained about with Jesus. He went around and sat with people and ate with them that nobody wanted to be around. He went with the sinners, the frauds, the shunned, the contemptible people, and he listened. And he heard their stories, and he taught anyone who came around him, and he blasted those who had no compassion in their heart. So remember the stories about God, about God's compassion, that God is the one who hears and loves all kinds of people, whether we think they're worthy or not. Thanks be to God.